for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is September 14, 2021, and today we have the first success story of the fall, and it's with Jeremy Beck from Wisconsin. All right, all right, here we are back with another episode of the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 178. And today we got a success story and a good one coming out of North Dakota with my buddy Jeremy Beck. He just got back, killed a slammer of a buck on some public land out in North Dakota. I believe it was public land. He told me in the podcast, Plots Land maybe. I really haven't deciphered that. He's going to, right now he's listening to this and he's just mother effing me up and down. <laughs> I, I bet. But him and his dad went out there for a hunt. And this story is crazy. Talk about having a huge deer full velvet at about three yards with a bow on the ground. That's the story. That's all I'm going to tell you because it's a good story. Uh, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about his preparation for this year and basically why he started shooting his bow more this year. So we get into a little bit of that also. And at the end, we kind of just bullshit a little bit, but it is all in good conversation. It was good to catch up with him. So I'm not going to rant anymore and keep talking. I'm going to get over this interview with Jeremy. Lastly, thank you guys very much for all the support and all the downloads. Please go to iTunes. Go on there. Log in. You don't even have to log in. Just go on there, scroll down, leave a five-star rating, and then type in a written review. That'd be greatly appreciated. So thank you guys very much, and here's this interview with Jeremy. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast, and today I've got a good buddy on, return guest, and the guy that defied all odds and you know is going to let everybody know that you can trip into a 150. Just anybody can because you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't want to burst your bubble. I don't think he'll hit 150. Hey, it doesn't matter. He's a beautiful deer. And, you know, everybody that is listening and wants to know who the hell is on the other side of this call, it is Jeremy Beck from Wisconsin. I've had him on a couple times. So, buddy, you are the first success story of this fall on the fall podcast. So, thank you for coming back on. Well, I appreciate you having me, man. I think, uh, Kurt was a little bit before me slamming that stud mule deer out in yes. Wyoming. Yes. I don't think he's home yet, is he, though? I I don't think he was at the time. I, I actually got a text from my wife while I was out there hunting one night that he had slammed a stud, and 
Yeah. And I ended up shooting mine the next day after I heard that. Yep. Kurt did. Kurt Geyer, working class bow hunter, did kill a stud of a mule deer. I cannot wait to hear that story. Might have to get him on here to talk about that too, because I think didn't he kill it on his dad's birthday or no? Was it the day before? Yeah, I, th- I think that's what it was, if I remember right. And you know, he kind of awesome. did that trip trip in memory of his dad anyways so i mean it's it's pretty special you know i just got goosebumps man that is so cool i can't wait to hear that from him so but anyway man what i guess first and foremost you know what have you been up to haven't haven't talked to you much lately we've been busy but you you know you go out on this trip out west for a whitetail and you come back with a hammer like (laughs) what have you been up to (laughs) well honestly dude i've just been Ever since the working class bow hunter shoot, I have been shooting my bow every single day, you know, like no excuses, even if it's just an arrow. I mean, it's funny you say that because I actually, on our way out there, I listened to the podcast you did with Clint. Yep. And, you know, I mean, that dude's on fucking level 11 all the time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just dude's motivating, you know? And, you know, so all summer long, I was shooting my bow every day, uh, working out, um, hiking, getting ready for the long walks that we have to do out there and packing out a deer if we have to. And I mean, just got pure lucky. That's all, all, all that's happened. You know, I've never seen a whitetail out there the size of the one I shot. Yep. Well, first of all, I guess, other than the obvious reasons, why did you set a goal or maybe you didn't even set a goal, but why did you want to shoot your bow every day this summer? Like, you know, aside of the obvious, like what was that in your head or in your body that was like, I want to shoot? Like what what made it fun again? Because I'm not going to lie to you. Like not that shooting my bow isn't fun, but, you know, it's it's not what it used to be when I was younger. You know, like you, you like want to shoot your bow. Not that I don't want to, but it's just – now, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, it's, it can be more of like a hassle in a way, if that makes sense. Well, no, I get, I get what you're saying. You're, you and a lot of other people are in a little different space in life than I am. I'm, I'm married with, I have a stepdaughter, but most of the time it's just me and my wife. So I'm kind of spoiled with time. Right. You know, I'm, I have the time every day. I mean, actually, I'm sitting here on the couch and I'm looking over in my, between my dining room and my kitchen, I actually have a bow rack on the wall. So when I walk home, I walk over, I grab my bow, my, I walk on my back deck. And even if it's just one arrow that night, I fling an arrow and then sometimes it's 50 arrows, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and I enjoy it and come, come North Dakota, like you need to be ready to make some longer shots. And I know, you know, that's a ethics thing that everyone battles with back and forth who, you know, how long of a shot you should take, but I want to be prepared to take as long a shot as I need to take. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, my neighbors probably die laughing at me, but I'll walk around my yard, you know, in random spots and I'll get down on my knees and I'll shoot from my knees. And I mean, I've, I've been out there in the pouring rain this summer shooting in the rain yep you know just just to see if my arrow would drop any you know from being in the rain and you know i'd shoot 50 yards and in the pouring rain and it didn't phase the arrow so 
I mean, it's just good stuff to know before you get out out in the atmosphere and you got to make a judgment call for sure when an animal's in front of you, you know? Yeah. And like you said, just kind of having your bow sitting there ready like that, that is something that I've done lately to like, I guess it could be more convenient. I'm super busy right now. I mean, everybody's busy. That's, but you know, I'm building my house every night and weekend. So it's like, I'm trying to carve out, you know, just 10 minutes just to go fling an arrow. And then when I talk to Clint, like you said, He's not, I mean, I want to run through a brick wall every time I talk to him. It doesn't matter if it's like through text or on a phone call or on a podcast. It doesn't matter. Like he inspired me. It's like, Hey, go shoot a cold shot. You know? So I do that now. Like if it's not every day, it's every other day right now for the last almost two weeks, I'm just going out firing a cold shot or I'll get into a little group where it's like, okay, I'm going to shoot for 30 minutes today, but I am trying to get my bow the rest of the way dialed in. And I'm shooting new broadheads this year. I'm going down a different venture and he, he like a pretty heavy arrow. Like I'm just trying to figure out, it's like a whole new system for me. I feel like this year. And, uh, I'm just trying to figure out where my drop is, you know, where my ranges are, like how my arrows are flying. So it's like, I'm really dissecting it. And I'm trying to do a little bit more with my form this year, as far as, you know, with a more surpri- surprise release, basically. I, I, I used to be a puncher. Now I'm like trying to get that more surprise release and uh, try to get dialed that way as well. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, it's the reps that you'll always fall back to. Cause right. I mean, prime example was this hunt. I mean, I'd love to tell you that I remembered my shot sequence, but I don't. <laughs> Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? It yeah. all, it all happens so fast that I don't remember putting my kisser button in the corner of my mouth. I don't remember my tip of my nose touching my string. Yep. I don't remember relaxed grip on my hand, you, you know, and then a big thing for me is a follow through, you know, I, I need to, my goal is to have that pin on that animal even after that arrow is released. Right. And that, that's what always helps me. And I don't remember any of that. Yep. You know, it just all those reps, I think you just fall back on that practice. Yep. It's got to be second nature to you, you know, because once yeah. your mind goes to mush, like you said, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be, I've been here before and your body just takes over. Yeah. And some people are better at, at, you know, the process, they can slow things down and talk, talk themselves through it. I'm not that guy. I don't know. I don't know if I just black out or what happens, but you know, it's all of a sudden the animals run away and it's like, holy shit, like that just happened, you know? Right. Everything else came second nature. Yep. You know, I equate it to, I'm a big sports guy and I, you know, played a lot of baseball growing up and I was always a middle infielder. Well, with people that played baseball or softball or whatever, you know, when you're playing shortstop, you get more time to think about a ground ball coming at you. I was struggling every once in a while and I moved over to third where it's the hot corner you know, and you, you have a split second to react and I did, I did better, you know, I did because I didn't have time to, for my brain to be like, oh, you're going to fuck this one up basically. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it just was like split reaction and you know, the reps, you could take reps all freaking day, hundred ground balls. If you want, you know how to do that. But when it's the time, it's, you know, the, the, that moment, the pressure situation, it's how you're going to react. And for me, you know, having to react in a split second, I guess I just do better in if I had to think about it, I guess. Yeah. 
it goes right back to the people that would rather watch a deer coming from a hundred yards or the people that would rather have them surprise them and stand in there at 20. Right. Yep. You know, it's two diff- two different scenarios and everyone can analyze them differently and react differently. Yeah. I agree, man. That's awesome. You got, you got me motivated a little bit too. Now I just want to go shoot my bow. So <laughs> yeah, but, I will be doing that today too, probably. Well, you're, so you're just hot off a trip in North Dakota, right? You went out to North Dakota. Yep. yep. So obviously you're successful, but kind of give me the skinny. Like, uh, I know you, you try to do a Western hunt just about every year. Um, you've been very successful the last couple of years doing it, but like, how did this trip unfold and like, what was the whole goal going into it? Well, you know, I'd love to tell you, I was going out there after a certain caliber deer, but when you go on an out of state hunt or, you know, any kind of traveling situation, I'm, I'm an opportunist. I'm not, I'm not too picky. My, I would love my, I would like to say I'd, I want 120 inch plus deer, but at the same, same time, I mean, if you're down today, you know, two, three days left of the hunt, I'm, I'm also not above filling that tag. Right. Like I am not the kind of guy that will go home happy eating a tag and saying like, Oh, that was a fun experience. That's not me. I'm kind of the same way, man. I'm not gonna lie. I want in, in, in hats off to the guys that are like, well, I'm not shooting something just to shoot something. That's, that's fine. And I'm happy for you. That's not me. Like my wife went before I left, she said, do not come home without venison. She could give (laughs) two shits less if it's a doe or how big the buck is. Like, she's like, do not come home with a wasted tag without meat. Yep. So if I was shooting a doe, I'd shoot a doe, you know, yep. but you know, I'm, I'll probably wait till the last couple of days before I did that. And, and honestly, man, I seen several bucks out there that were not even close to this one, that if they would have got within bow range for me, I would have stuck them too. I mm-hmm. just, you know, someone was looking out for me and wanted me to have this guy. So were you, were you guys hunting public land or private land or what was the deal? Um, this is uh it's, it's a plots program. So it's, it's kind of like, um, it's private land that is open to the public for hunting. Yep. As long as it's not posted, is it that <clears throat> stuff or that no, game? Nope. No, it's, it's, uh, it's plots land. So it's like, uh, like we, we pay in money, you like non-residents, residents, you know, it's, it's funded by the state okay. where they pay landowners to have it open to hunting. Gotcha. So like come gun season, like I talked to a neighbor and he said that gun season, there was 13 cars at one access point and there was 18 at the other. Holy cow. For opener a rifle. Like he said, they just slaughter the deer. Wow. And I never saw a single bow hunter. Really? Yep. I mean, the whole time there, we, we kind of jump around between these four, uh, two of them are North Dakota state land. And then two of them are the plots program. And we never saw a single bow hunter. Now I know you can like, you can bait in North Dakota, but can you bait on this plots program or on public land? Or is that against the rules? Um, I, I know you can bait in North Dakota. Um, but I don't think you can do it on public. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, okay. but, um, we, we don't, um, we kind of just use 
I hug, I hug the private fields is what we do. Okay. So, so we just get in as far as we can and we hug the private fields because normally all the side hill sagebrush and creek bottoms are the public and then the nice um, private fields with alfalfa. I mean, crops were complete garbage this year out there. They had like a major drought. Yep. Um, but still, I mean, it's, it's still a food source, you know, that they use. Yeah. So you're hunting like a lot of like little sloughs and little fence rows and not a lot of trees. Is that kind of the hunting you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was able to hunt one day up in a tree, but I'm talking like one stick. Like I really, my stand was, yeah, my stand was at like my chest. No kid. But it, but it gives you enough to get over the tall grass. Right. So you can see down in it, you know? Yep, better angles. Now I did I did shoot this buck off the ground though. So was that have you been to this area before, I guess, before you did this? Yeah, this is my third year in that kind of vicinity. I now I never hunted the area like we did this year though. Okay. Um like I'd been there last year, I went and I glassed it. And I hunt, I was going to hunt it one night and then my buddy called and was like, Hey, there's a buck over here. So I beat it a mile back to my truck and got over where he was. We, and I actually ended up eating a tag last year. He got a decent buck though. Mm -hmm. So going into it, you knew like what you were getting into, like, Hey, might be on the ground. A lot of stuff like you knew, you know, take a tree stand, but a lot of this might be like running gun on the ground. Yeah. And like what I do on the ground is I have this little, uh, it's a turkey hunting chair. Actually, it's a primo strutter. Yep. And I've had it for 10, 15 years and I've shot several deer out of this thing. It just, it sits like, I don't know, three inches off the ground, but it's enough to give you like a backrest and I can get like my knees up Yep. and I can shoot. I can kind of like shoot through my legs, you know, like mm-hmm. you can shoot it sitting down pretty pretty comfortably yeah and they're pretty light too i've, I've got one kind of like it so and they're easy to pack like they're good pack oh. packable chairs yeah and then then another thing too is it like you can probably like where i was sitting was kind of like a pine shrubbery so instead of sitting on all the and like the needles are sharp as shit so it made it so i could set this chair on top and sit in this tuck myself kind of in the shrub okay so, I mean, it makes it so you can actually sit. And I sat there for, I mean, I was out at like 1130 in the morning and, you know, sat till dark in 80 yep. some degree weather. Jeez. Yeah. Cause you guys <clears throat> probably aren't hunting mornings. I mean, you're probably doing a lot of harm in the mornings, huh? Yeah. You know, I told you, I, I remember telling you this and I'm totally going to eat my words. I told you I was going to hunt mornings more. Yep. <laughs> the last time. And dude, like, I don't think I said like, oh yeah, you definitely can slip in. No, like I, I thought I could. And like, we were up some mornings and it's just like, you got to cross these giant fields and there's just no way in there, mm-hmm. or at least that I could see without mm-hmm. getting busted. Yeah. Like, so yeah, you need them, you need them to get back to bed right? and get up in the hillsides for the day so you can get in there without them knowing, you know? Yep. Now, how far are these deer moving in the mornings to get back to bed, typically? Like, how far are they bedding from the primary food source? Well, some some are 
walking to the edge of the field and laying next to the private hay bales that like we can't get at. Right. Is that majority like smaller bucks and does stuff like that? Or is that like any deer? Um, I don't know. I seen some, you know, pushing Pope and young class bucks that'll walk right behind the hay bales and they'd bed down. Really? And then, you know, like I said, I'd never seen this buck, so I didn't even know a caliber of this deer was even out there. But, but luckily it seems like a lot of the deer, I, I don't know, say half the deer like to get off in these, they're kind of patches of sage yep. um, brush in these pastures, you know, like everything out there that's open land, it's just cattle pastures, but there's hundreds of these, like the size of the size of a house that these, all these deer like to go and bed in. And then, you know, come nighttime, they'll come out of these, walk through the pastures and drop down these banks or up the banks to get to these fields. And, you know, your goal is just to catch them in between. Right. So, I mean, what day did you kill on of the hunt? So we went out Thursday. So, so, uh, North Dakota bow opens every year, the Friday before labor day at noon. Okay. So we, this year we went out Thursday morning and got out there, you know, late Thursday we had time to set up camp and then we went for a two mile hike and we glassed kind of over these fields and river bottoms that, that night we seen, we seen 20 some deer, no, no like shooter bucks, you know, and I'm talking like a shooter. I'm just looking for a basket eight, something like that, you know? Yep. And we didn't see any, but we seen several deer. Um, then the next day, so it would have been, so, uh, we hunted, then, then you're able to hunt Friday evening, you know, Friday at noon, it opened. So we hunted that area and I dropped down into the river bottoms that night. My dad went up in the hillsides and we seen some deer, but once again, nothing close enough and no shooters. And so then we decided the next day to head over to this other area. So. So this would have been Saturday. We kind of did a long hike in, glassed up this area and decided like, hey, let's hunt this. Let's hunt this section, you know? Right. So we went in that night. This would have been Saturday night. And I seen um, about 125-inch full velvet eight-pointer. And we seen some other bucks that were smaller. This is the nicest one. And I'm like, I want that deer, you know, yep. target <laughs> and, acquired. <laughs> yep. And, and a lot of the deer were still full velvet, which kind of shocked me too. But so anyways, um, that night, my dad was actually covered up with deer too. I think he had 13 deer within 30 yards of him mm-hmm. and he ended up passing a little basket. It would have been an eight pointer, but he didn't have any brow tines, a little full velvet buck and, and, I kind of gave him shit for passing that one up, but, (laughs) but, but he didn't want to. So, so anyways, that was, that was Saturday night, Sunday. We, I mean, it's, it's fucking brutal, dude. It's, it's in the (laughs) eighties and in mosquitoes. I mean, I'm looking at my left hand right now and I have 
nine mosquito bites from my <laughs> wrist up my hand. Like just got slaughtered. And so anyways, we hiked in. It's about it's about a mile from the truck where we park. And so we got in there and I got I got set up in this brush pile again, you know, watching I'm watching kind of like this grass field. So it's so on the public land it's um it's like a hillside of sagebrush and then it kind of opens up to this taller grass field before it hits the private alfalfa field. Okay. So I got so I got like I don't know, 80 yards before I hit that field that I got I can mess with, you know. Yep. And I'm thinking these deer are going to funnel from my left to my right and I think they're going to come below me because above me is just a giant pasture, like a thousand acres of just pasture. So you're, so let me picture this. You're kind of like on the hillside, right? Like looking. Yeah. I'm, I'm at the very top of this hillside and it's probably 50 yards down like steep wise, you know what I'm saying? So yep. 50 yards to the bottom of the hill, what, to the where what, this tall grass is. What made you get up that high? Was it thermals? Was it wind? Like, was it, you know, was the, was the wind like whipping and, and, and basically swirling in the bottom to make you get up higher? Or what was that? Well, so the night before I walked below and then went up the hill and I had multiple deer, I think, not that they like busted out, but they, they knew something wasn't right there. And I think right. they smelled where I was walking in. Gotcha. I think, I think my entry was just a really shit entry that I, I shouldn't have been down there. And so the next day I walked above in the pasture above all these woods and then dropped down probably 10 yards in mm-hmm. and set up in the same spot, just a totally different access. Yep. Did you see a difference in like the deer behavior? Well, so we seen several deer the night before and the next day I didn't see a single deer till the one I shot. There was one (laughs) doe probably 300 yards away. Yep. Otherwise like horrible. I mean, obviously it was great. I shot my buck, but as far as seeing deer and anything moving, like there was nothing moving. Okay. So what was the culprit of that? Do you think was it just the the temperature? Was it high winds? I, like, what do you think? There was very little wind, and I think it was the heat. In my opinion, yep. I mean, dude, we're talking. I mean, I don't know about you, but like around here, I mean, if it hits like fifty-five at night, and then you know it's like seventy-five during the day, or like today. It's going to be like 72 here. And it was like 55 last night. Yep. Okay. So when we were out there, we had one night that hit like 42. And the next day it was like 88. Holy cow. Like that's ridiculous. That's a big shift. You're swinging over 40 degrees. You're swinging from night to day. So they're definitely moving in the, in the dark then. That's what I think. I think they're just moving in the freaking dark and, I mean, when you'd hike back to the truck, you'd see several deer out in the fields. Now, were you using cameras at all, or was it all just boots on the ground, you know, get in there, hunt it, see what happens, and make a move? Speaking of trail cams, have you guys been wanting a new trail cam? If you have, or if you're trying to figure out what you want to buy, 
go check out Exodus Trail Cams at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Check out all their lineup. They've got renders, the Exodus render, which is their cell cam. They have Trek and they have the Lift 2, which are just your run-of-the-mill, basically just like all your other cameras out there that you got to go pull the card in. They're awesome cameras. They come with a five-year warranty. And they've got a lot of other cool stuff. They got solar banks. Um, they got a lot of accessories. They've got, you know, t-shirts and stickers and all that stuff. Go check out everything that they have at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Yeah, I'd, we didn't have any cameras out. Uh, just kind of going on past data and what we've seen there, you yeah. know, personally. And uh, you know, when you're when you're on a trip like that, that's that's when you're banking on a lot of luck too. Right, for sure. Right, yeah. right place, right time. Yep. So walk me through that day. You know, the day before you killed, you saw some deer. You know, you're not seeing the bucks that you want to see. You you did see one good eight pointer, but like you know, get me to that day that you killed. Like what, walk me through that day. Cause when you were texting me, you're like, it was all luck, man. It was all luck. But, <laughs> but I mean, with hunting, which, you know, and a lot of people know that are listening to this luck plays a big part into whitetail hunting. Um, in my opinion, it does. So like, yep. but you had to be at that place, like that deer wanted to be at that place for some reason. So, you know, a little bit of luck, but yeah, you, I mean, you made it happen. So kind of like, let's, let's walk through that whole situation. Well, so we got in, what, it was 1130 and the whole, the whole reason we would have waited till later to go in, but honestly it was just getting hotter. And, and we thought, Hey, let's get in as early as we can. And at least maybe we can tuck in some shade because we figured the deer wouldn't be coming out till six, seven o'clock. Yep. You know, and it's dark at eight. <clears throat> so, so anyways, I got in and, and like I said, dude, I was just getting murdered by mosquitoes. Are you sitting on I this had, hillside again or no? Yep. Same spot. I tucked in the same spot. The only thing different I did was I entered in from the top side. I walked through the pasture at the top and dropped in this hillside from the top. Yep. Cause I'm thinking, there is no deer that's going to come in from this side. I assumed because, because as I'm looking down the hill to my left, it's all the crick bottoms in like CRP grass and everything that any hunter would say, okay, that's bedding. Yep. Like this, that's the bedding area. They're coming from the left. They're going to work by me and get out in this egg field. And I'm going to have them come in this tall grass and I'm going to have like a 55 yard shot. Yep. So there's no trees around you, right? It's just tall grass. Yeah, the trees are like like shrubs. Right. Okay. Like so, I mean, of shrubs, kind of like that kind of stuff. Yeah, there. Yeah, it was it was weird. What I was actually sitting in was like basically like a pine bed. Yep. Gotcha. Like if you took all the pine pine uh, branches and you just laid them all over the ground, and then some giant pine shrubs, and that's okay. what I was sitting in. Gotcha. And it kind of helped. I I mean, I don't know. It could totally be just me thinking this but like there's sagebrush out there too and it like smells really really good and strong yep so when i get in there like i always take and i like kind of rub that you know you're, you're soaked in sweat so i'm sure i freaking stink yep and so i always rub that sage all over me and then sitting in that pine like it reeks like pine so you had a pretty good cover scent probably yeah, so well, I, at least I think I do. It makes me feel better, <laughs> if anything. <laughs> so, 
So anyways, and another thing I did was, so to my right was a little, little opening. And I, and I thought like, I, I ended up taking one of my little screw and bow hooks and I screwed it into this little branch next to me. And I cut one of these pine branches and I just hung it up next to me to kind of block my, my right side, which is going to come into play later. Okay. So I just hung that branch up just to kind of block whatever, if something did happen to come to my right, or if it was up in the pasture above me, they couldn't see me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of a little, little blind there. Yep. And so anyways, it's 1130. We don't see a single deer. And um, I'm like, I'm dripping with sweat. Mosquitoes are slaughtering me. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I got my bow on my knees and I got my binoculars kind of resting against my head. And I'm just kind of like, holy shit, this sucks. You know, <laughs> and I'm kind of like moping to myself. What am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, all of a sudden I just, I just hear to my right, like, you know, I, I can't remember if, what the sound it was, but it's just like, you heard like maybe like a footstep to yeah. my right. Yeah. And I just, I barely move my eyes over. And here this freaking stud whitetail buck is standing. When I say five yards, I'm being like generous with five yards. He might have been three or four yards. So wait a second. This is at 11 o'clock in the afternoon? No, I'm sorry. This is at 630. Okay. So the day it went I on. had sat there. Yeah, I had sat there from 1130 till 630. We didn't see a deer. Yep. Okay. This is the first deer I see. And, and as all that I see is all his tines, full velvet. And at the time I thought like he had like a split G2 and, and I, you know, I'm just looking out of the corner of my eyes and he's looking like down the hill, but he knows like something ain't right. Cause he keeps like lifting his head up smelling. So he doesn't know you're there, but he knows something's not right. Yeah. And dude, the wind is blowing from my left to right, which is blowing right at him. And and when I say wind, there's like no wind. Right. But but I can see the thermocell that I got going right next to me. Yeah. I can see the vapors going up and it's going like really slow towards him. So so I'm sure he's just smelling that. He's probably smelling me. And he knows something isn't right. And he eventually and and I got my hat kind of tipped down because I ended up forget forgetting my face mask yep. that day. Mm-hmm. But I got my I got my sweatshirt on. I got my hood up, and the main reason I had that was for the mosquitoes. Right. And but anyways, so I got my brim tipped down so he can't see my eyes, and I'm just looking at his feet at this time. Well, he he takes a couple more steps. He circles down right in front of me, and then he's staring in my face. How far is he now? Is six yards. Jeez, so you have your bow on your knees. You have you can't bow? even move at all. No, no. And and he ends up turning turning his head. And and while he's doing this, I'm slow, like as slow as I can. I'm like pulling my binoculars down from my head to set them on my lap. Yep. And and then I gotta get my release hooked up and you know. <laughs> well well, while this is happening, he he didn't like it and he he stomps, he blows once, and he books it down the hill. And here, the, here, what ended up happening is there's two other bucks behind him 
they ran up above me back up into the pasture. This buck all by himself ran down the hill and he ended up going around a tree and, and he stops and I can see him through the tree. When I say tree, it's like a, like a 10 foot tall brush pile. You know, it's nothing you could like set up in, but I can see him through the branches and leaves. You know what I'm saying? I can see his body. Yep. And he stops behind that thing while I drop, I kind of like sit up out of my little turkey chair and I drop to my knees and I range the grass right next to him, right next to the tree. And it's 55 yards. And I see the buck turn around like, cause he never knew what I was. He never seen me move. He, he just knew just something suspected wasn't right. Something. Yep. And he didn't like barrel it down the hill. He like just kind of galloped down the hill. Yep. And, and I range that grass I draw back at 55 yards and he takes one step and pokes his head out and he's looking up at me and I wait and he takes one more step out and I let that arrow rip and he's, he's like strong quartering away, you know, with his head cranked, looking back at me. Like, so he's ready to book the other way. Well, I let that arrow rip and I end up going in, in his guts. And then it comes out like his, second or third rib in the back. So it basically like center punches his whole body. It end, what it ended up hitting was guts, liver, and then just punched into his chest cavity. Okay. Did you get some lung and, then too? Or no? Um, well, it was all foamed up, um, but I don't know if it got any lung in there, but okay. it punched into the chest cavity. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, and anyways, he freaking, he starts like, uh, jumping like his back legs, like back and forth. And, (laughs) and he takes off, makes it 70 yards and just tips over dead. No way. (laughs) I ranged him laying there. He was 130 yards from me laying dead. Oh my gosh, dude. And, and I could just see his rack up. And I mean, the hole that was in his freaking side, like just I bet you it was bubbled up with like blood and the foam, yep. like four inches high and blood just pouring out both sides. You had to get some lung then. If there was foam and bubbles, you got some it, lung. It might have. Um, I didn't. I didn't break up into the chest cavity because we we quartered it and uh, took the back straps, you know, and then I caped them out. Yep. So I never like reached up in there to check. But either way, what whatever it severed in there, I mean he. Stone cold dead, 70 yards. Jeez, man. <laughs> and and this rarely happens. But so my my what ended up happening was those other two bucks that ran up top, they actually circled back around by my dad. And my dad had those two bucks, and he said it was that eight pointer that I told you about previously previously. Yep. That was full velvet. And then it was like he said it was like a little 14 inch uh, polished up, uh, 10 pointer. And he didn't get a shot so, at those. No, he, he had the brush pile to his left and he needed them to clear that. Oh. And what he thinks happened is they were coming down and all of a sudden they freaking snapped their neck, looked at him. And he thinks that his broadhead, the sun was just beaming on us. Yep. And he thinks, um, he, he kept having to pull his bow back because the broadhead was shimmering. Out oh, in the light. Like a glare on it? 
Yeah, and he said when he picked his bow up, uh, it like was shimmering out there, and he thinks they picked that out because oh, the God. wind was blowing from the deer to him. Yep. So it, they didn't smell him, and he, and he doesn't think they seen him because he was tucked back in the brush pretty good, but. You know, you never know. You're playing the guessing game. Right. Now, did these deer come by him first before they got to you or no? No. They must have came all the way across the pasture, you know, from one of those uh, um, brush sagebrush piles I was telling you about. Yep. That's the only thing I can think because that's all that's out there. You know, for for miles is nothing but pasture and these brush giant brush piles that they bet in. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't expect anything to come from there. Right. Because they could go the other way and hit like a cornfield. And I just assumed, okay, that's closer for them from those brush piles to go to that cornfield if they want to eat, especially when it's that hot. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, these ones decided at 630 to funnel down. And I never thought they were going to come that close because... I was telling you about those like pine pine tree brushes that go grow on the ground. Yep. You know, they're like six, eight inches high and they they just kind of like sprawl all over the ground. Yep. Well, the entire right of me for 20 yards was that stuff. So it's probably hard so to get like, through. Yeah. Like I wouldn't think anything would walk through it. I gotcha. You know, like your boots would get all tangled up in it. And, and I mean, but yeah, I mean, he... Like I said, man, he was within easily five yards to my right. So what what uh what do you think he was doing? Like where were those deer going? Were they just kind oh, of Oh he was he was funneling they were funneling down to that alfalfa field below me. Okay. And so Yeah, I guarantee it. With the wind coming from your left to your right, obviously the wind was cutting them in the nose, wasn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, he knew he could sm- I guarantee he could smell me. Me so, or the thermosel or something. Right. So he was, you know, but what I'm saying is they're coming, they're entering that field with that wind cut in their nose. I mean, they're no dummies. Yeah. 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 I guess um, they would have got like half the hillside. Okay. You know, if it would have been like a true, like, oh, they were really checking the woods. I th- I think they would have been down another. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess maybe they think the threat's coming from that side or. Yep. You know, I get I get what you're saying. I guess if they really wanted to be like that analytical, they would have they would have been all the way down at the other ed- end of the woods so they could check the entire woods. Gotcha. Now, you do know you what I'm think, saying? Yeah, yeah, I definitely know what you're saying. Do you think with them coming so close to you is because you had structure by you? You know, deer like structure. So, do you think that? Yes. You know what I mean? Like maybe they could I know smell what you're it, saying. and maybe it's like okay, no threat there. I'm going to stick tight to this because it's kind of quote unquote edge or structure. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you just said it edge. Cause when you pull back on, on like Onyx maps now, and I look at where I'm sitting, like I looked at it on the ground as like, Oh, nothing's going to walk through here. But right. when you look at it on Onyx, it actually looks like, um, kind of like a, a funnel between, you know, that's like, I don't know, 20 yards wide of opening gap down to that field. Yep. You know, it, it almost looks like a field road there, but it's right. But it's just that that pine shit that sprawled all over the ground that I didn't think they would walk through, and apparently that's that's one of their draws. And and that's what like when you said he got so close, 
and you didn't really know why, the first thing that came to my head is like, well, maybe they feel safe right there, like feel safe with something around them, and they're not out in the open maybe like too much, and you know, that was my, me never being there, me just, you know, painting up my yeah. own picture from what you're telling me is like, they obviously feel safe by structure or, or that they've been there before, you know, and they just yeah. happen well, to I'm run sure into a big, big SOB like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, be, I'm sure, you know, it's safer going that route than walking around the edges, like I was sure. saying, and, and going on the field routes yep. that the all the farmers use the side by sides, the you know the tractors, everything's running through there. Yep, dude, that's but, awesome. Uh, that's yeah, and that's rarely, why I like to play those situations out after the fact. Like, okay, ask yourself why? Why were they there? Like, and I feel like I learn. I just learned so much from that, and I've never been there. You know what I mean? Like from you just telling me, and then you going, okay, I looked on on X, and it is for sure a funnel type edge that like when you go back next year or whenever you'll probably you know look at that a little bit harder and a little different now well yeah absolutely and i won't kind of underestimate the what they're willing to walk through right exactly yeah yeah and another thing i was gonna say is it's pretty rare to walk up on you know you normally get ground shrinkage and this one was definitely Way better than I imagined even when he was standing there. Yeah, great. <laughs> ground growage. There you go. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Explain him. I mean, so did you walk up on, on him by yourself or did your dad come down? Like, how'd that all play out? So we waited till dark because I, I, wanted, I wanted him to get something, you know? Right. So I just kind of stared at him and, and just imagined what he was for the next hour and a half, two hours. And hope hoping he'd get a crack at something. Well, we didn't end up seeing another deer the rest of the night. So he met me down at this uh, wood edge and we walked up on him together and it was just, both of us were like, holy shit. Like, (laughs) and he was like, wow. I mean, he's, this buck is, he's a mainframe 10 with two inch kickers off of both his G2s, like symmetrical. Yep. He is and, a sweet deer and full velvet, right? Yes, and he's solid velvet and he's uh he's just he's he's uh he's the perfect whitetail. He's he's beautiful. I mean, he's probably going to I think he'll be uh mid 140s. Dude, stud, man. That yeah, is I mean, awesome. I haven't pulled the tape on him yet, but he's he'll be in the mid 140s and yeah, I mean, he's just he's a perfect buck. I mean, he's awesome. What do you think age-wise on them? Because I've never whitetail hunted. I mean, I filmed out in Wyoming, and those deer are just smaller. They just – it's for me, it was hard to, like, get a get a good, solid grasp on age on the hoof. But, like, what did what do you think he is? What would be your best estimate? I'm assuming he's four and a half, but that's purely off of body size. I mean – I mean, you know this. I picked up the last deer in North Dakota, threw him over my shoulders, guts and all, and carried him off. Yeah, but you're and, not. You're also a little bigger than the average human. And, <laughs> so. and this, and this deer. So I told my dad. He's like, "Hey, what do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, I'm gonna just throw him on my shoulders, and we'll get him out to like the field road, you know." Yeah. And we got out there, and I'm embarrassed to say, but I could not get that son of a bitch <laughs> on my shoulders. <laughs> You got to go hit the weights a little bit more. <laughs> oh my gosh. My dad was dying laughing. He's, 
He's like, yeah, you ain't getting this one, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm assuming he's four and a half. He was, he was a, I mean, obviously he's still smaller than the deer that we see in the Midwest. Yep. But, uh, you know, he still had his uh, summer coat. I mean, he's beautiful. He's got a really red forehead. That's he's got cool. the really like kind of orange red forehead. And yeah, he's, it's probably a once in a lifetime buck for, for me like that, you know? That's awesome. Is he your best buck? Um, I think he'll, he'll, I I don't think he'll be my best buck, but he'll probably be like top, top three. Yep. That's awesome, dude. And if you um, were, he's, what's that? He's probably my, he, I was going to say he's, he's probably my favorite, it, you know, being velvet and the character and the amount of work because, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of the next part of the story is you get into the work that goes into it. Oh yeah. Yep. Cause I mean, so I, you know, we're a mile in, you know, we just sat there all fricking day, dripping sweat. Um, I grab and my dad's, my dad's pushing 60, you know? Yep. And I think he got a little dehydrated that day. And so I told him, I said, give me all the gear. So I took all his gear and my gear and I hiked back to the truck. I drop everything and I grab my frame pack because that's that's what I do. I I quarter it up, back straps, any neck meat. We uh, throw it in the bag, throw it on my frame pack, and then I'll hike it back. So what we did was I hiked back, grabbed that shit, hiked back in where he was, and I quartered the deer up, skinned him out, caped him because I'll do a head mount on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, got everything loaded onto my pack, and then we hiked back out. Um, and it's a late yeah, night. it was, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, and I heard, well, you've, you've talked with like Byron Horn and stuff before, yep. right? Yep. Well, I, I was listening to his podcast one day and his buddy that he always podcasts with. Yeah. He's, he's ranting about like, oh, these people just want to look like badasses <laughs> hacking out the deer. And I'm, and I'm thinking either this motherfucker Hasn't shot a lot of deer because he hasn't had to pack them out because it, it has nothing to do with being badass. You're just a dumbass if you're dragging deer out <laughs> a mile long. Like, that's bottom line. I mean, if you're still dragging deer out now and you don't have a frame pack, I'm telling you guys, invest the money in a frame pack, quarter the deer up, get it on your back, pack it out. It It is so easy. Like, I can't, I couldn't imagine dragging deer out anymore unless you shot a freaking mammoth that you want amazing pictures the next day in the daylight. That's the only way I can see getting a deer out whole. Yep. Well, and you were in a situation though, too, that I mean, there probably really wasn't an option other than if you had like a deer cart, you know, like the THP boys, like they do a lot of deer cart stuff. So I definitely get where you're coming from. I've actually never had to to pack out a whitetail, but I've never been in a situation where I had to. We can always get a ranger right there next to it, a pickup next yep. to it. I'm not going to lie to you. If it if I got to drag a deer more than 100 yards, I mean, I will, but like I'm usually within a couple hundred yards of somewhere where we can get a ranger or a pickup. Yep, and and I totally get that. And like when I hunt my grandpa's farm, you know, we can buzz a four-wheeler and stuff out there. Yep. But like... So even like you saying that, 
I've actually, unless it's a buck, I do that. I, I'll get a buck out. We'll get some good pictures. You know, I like to weigh them. I like to take them home, weigh them, that kind of crap. But like a doe, like I, I quarter up a doe now. Even even though I could literally drive my truck, I drag the deer 50 yards down the hill to a field road, and I could drive my truck out and pick that doe up. Like nowadays, I still will quarter that deer up. And I'll yeah, maybe I'll drive my truck over there, but I'll still quarter the deer, take the back straps, neck meat, and put it in my cooler in my truck. Mm-hmm. That way, I don't I don't have to get rid of the rib cage, the spinal cord, the head. You know what I'm saying? I yep. I don't I don't live in the country, so I just can't walk in my backyard and throw the bones out. You know what I'm saying? I live right. in town, and so now is all that I have to deal with is four legs. Yep, I could see that. Like how I mean, with a doe too, you could quarter that up pretty quick. Oh, dude, you give me thirty minutes, I have everything in a cooler. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm getting pretty fast at it, and I mean when me and uh shit two weeks from now not even me and uh dan smelts will be down in kentucky i know i'm jealous i've been giving him crap about it oh yeah, yeah. he's been down there before this is he i kind of i kind of invited myself and he's cool enough to let me go so <laughs> i'm gonna invite myself next year i'm trying to invite myself on all these hunts <laughs> yeah, right dan's dan's such a good fucking dude that like he he kind of set all this up he knows the land it's it's kind of the same kind of thing. It's like a walk-in management land. Yep. You know, so it's public land, but you know what I'm saying? Yep. I told him and, I wanted to podcast with both you guys when you guys get back just to kind of see how your trip was because in my opinion too, and I've never hunted Kentucky. This is just me all assuming. You guys are going in two weeks, so the end of September. It's going to be a lot harder than it would be hunting velvet deer in Kentucky. I would like to think, you know what I mean? Well, so we talked about it and the only thing I think that we might have going for us is we're kind of hoping to hit some of the cold fronts. Right. Cause dude, when he's been down there, I mean, you've probably talked to him. It's like, it's in the nineties. Oh, it's stupid. Oh no. I, I'm sorry. I like, he told me that it hit like a hundred and some, and they were hanging like double sets, him and his girl. Yep. Yeah, and it was like he told me it was over a hundred. Yeah, that's tough. And I believe it because I seen his freaking Snapchats he was sending me, and he was just dripping. Yep. Well, when you guys get back and you guys kill two megas, then we'll podcast about it. And because I think there's a big dynamic, and I don't. Know, this may be me just being weird and how I think of being a storyteller. It's like. I think that late September, you know, when you think of Kentucky hunting, it doesn't, to me, when you think, when you're like, I'm going to hunt Kentucky, the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, you're going for the opener, September. You know what I mean? Like that is what Kentucky is to me. You know, not that that's not bad by any means. You just see a lot of big deer come out of Kentucky and normally it's early season. So those first couple weeks of September, but now when you're getting to the latter part of September and the velvet is stripped. The deer have shifted their patterns. I think it's going to get tough. And I think that's really cool. I think there's a really cool romantic mm-hmm. approach to that. You know what I mean? Like I, I just think there will be a really cool story to be had. And like you guys are saying, you're hoping you're to hit a cold front. That would be huge. And I think it'll get the deer moving like crazy probably. 
Yeah, you know, we're kind of playing the same game. Uh, the chunk we're on, it's it's kind of like uh, decent sized woods, real thick CRP, uh, surrounded by a little river kind of creek system, and it borders private land that has very little woods, but a lot of egg. So once again, I think we're both planning on snugging up next to that those private fields. And I actually called the landowner down there and he wouldn't let us hunt, but I did get the information that no one hunts it except his son for gun season. Well, that's key information. So to me, that's fucking great news right there. That already tells me that there's no pressure. Yep. So we're going to snuggle up next to that guy's nice fields. Hope we get a cold front and, you know, maybe we'll get lucky enough to get a, you know, bed to food type deal. Yep. And I did talk to landowner too. I said, you know, Hey, I totally understand. We can't hunt. I said, would you be okay if, you know, we shot a deer runs onto your property? Can we get a hold of you? And he said, absolutely. He said, just make sure you call me before you go on it. That's good move on your part. I do the same thing. So, I mean, that to me right there, that's, that's huge. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. And one thing cool about Kentucky, I didn't know this. Dan told me, um, so we, you buy your buck tag and you get three doe tags with it. No, oh, sure. You're going to, your wife is going to be thrilled. Cause I know you're going to be out yeah. there just launching bombs. <laughs> well, I, I told Dan, I said, I said, dude, I hope you don't get pissed at me, but I'm, I'm smacking does, man. Like I am not above being out of state. And I mean, I see doe the first night I'm shooting a doe and he's like, dude, me too. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not just there for antlers. I'm, you know, don't get me wrong. I'd be more than happy to take another, another buck home, but you know, I'm there to my goal this year and we didn't have enough deer last year. I had four deer last year and me and my wife had that gone so fast. It wasn't even funny. Yep. We, we do summer sausage, you know, your burger, canned venison. And I mean, we just mow that shit down. Yeah, I don't. So, I'm the same way. My wife and I and my daughter. We, I mean, basically, if we're making hamburger helper, if we're making spaghetti, or if we're you know something with burger, usually we're doing it with venison burger. You yeah, know? everything. I mean, me personally, I think it's better. Like, in, in, I do too. I I just kind of uh, discovered canned venison. My my mom actually taught me how to do it. My grandparents used to do it a lot, and I'm like, God, we should start doing that. So my mom taught me, and now my wife. Like we'll never go back. Really? Canned venison is, it's basically like having shredded beef that you can put like any flavoring on. That's cool. So we do it, you know, tacos over noodles, over potatoes. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So I told my wife, I'm like, shit, we're going to need like 10 deer. (laughs) So I'm, I'm, my plan is to lay the smack down this year. There you go, man. Well, like I said, I'll we'll have to circle back probably in October or something when you guys get back and get on a podcast together. Or if you guys are in camp at the same time and you get some free time and we can link up when you're together, that might even be better. Yeah, when did when did you say you said you're filming We're going, Ohio? Yeah, Casey and I are gonna go down, I believe the opener of Ohio, which I believe the opener of Ohio this year is the twenty fifth or twenty sixth of September, I believe one of those two days i gotta look but we got some yeah, i'm surprised 
I'm surprised those guys don't do something early with velvet. Well, we were going to do drop this year and Oh, gotcha. We and that last minute got uh canceled. So COVID? Nope. Um plane crash actually. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so and this is something I've not haven't said on the podcast. We talked Casey and I've talked about it a little bit on the Humanimal podcast, but um, which, by the way, selfless plug, go over and check out the Humanimal podcast. We do that as well. We're trying to ramp it up a little bit more, but there's a lot of good content on there for everybody else out there listening. Anyway, um, Casey was going up to Alaska to do a remote scout, and I was supposed to be going with him also, but I had to kind of back out, and it just got to be one of those things where it's like, you know, he had to go and do it in like a window of time where I couldn't go. Um, so he, he just had to go by himself while well, he was getting flown in to the bush to check out, like just do a scout location and make sure that section of the uh, river is what we wanted to float and all that stuff. And long story short, it was raining. I think it was raining uh, a little foggy and it was a hundred percent pilot air and they come down on the runway and when they busted through the fog basically they were coming in too hot skipped off the ground a couple times the plane went up like the tail went up um they the tail came down they skipped again and they're going like i I can't remember telling i can't remember how fast he said they're going but way fast and uh basically they didn't stop until they ran into the bush and wrecked yep so uh Casey's wife Lisa he got a hold of her because they were out in the middle of nowhere um he had I don't know if he had a sat phone I know he had his Garmin inReach he must have inReached her or something she called me or she texted me twice and she's like Aaron I need to talk to you and I'm like this is like like she texted me twice in the matter of like eight seconds and I'm like shit something's going on she calls me and I could hear it in her voice she's like I just want to let you know Casey's okay and I'm like Lisa what the fuck's going on and she told me or whatnot and i i was like dude it was one of the worst feelings ever because i mean he's okay everything happened you know he you know he was fine not a scratch on him but like he even said so himself he's like i told myself we were gonna die it was the only time he's like i've been in a lot of situations before and that was the only time i've ever felt like i was gonna die that was it wow yeah so he had to stay in the bush for two days. He's trying to get a hold of somebody to come in and get him. So he said in the Jesus. bush for two days, um, finally found someone to fly in and get him. They attempted to fly in twice, but the, uh, like two days in, the the weather was so bad that they couldn't get into him. Finally, they got him out and long story short, with all the logistics of like us going up with four guys with all our gear the way we would have to go in, like how many trips we'd have to go in and out. Um, and the plane, obviously the plane that we had to use is wrecked now, but we could get another plane, but it would have been a lot more expensive. And then if we were to kill two moose, getting out, I mean, you're looking at massive amounts of money just to get us in and out shuttled. And that's like, it wasn't, you know, doable from that aspect either. It was just a bad decision. And it was kind of like everything culminated so quick that it was like, we just got to take a break here. We got to think about this. Like, you know, we can't, we can't yeah. fuck around with this stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he's pretty gun shy. He still is a little gun shy about it, you know, and it, 
oh, God, I don't know how you could ever hop in a plane again like that. I know, man. It makes you think, like, you know, he's been in a lot of, lot more bush planes than I have. He's flown in hundreds of bush planes. And, um, you know, and he, he's flown in so many bush planes that he could probably go fly one himself. He just knows it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. He just, he literally, it was, he's like, it was a kiss the ground moment. You know, as weird as yeah. that sounds, he said, he's like, when I got out, it was, you know, so then he got like, when they came to a stop, he like kind of came to like, what the hell just happened kind of thing. And he like checked himself, you know, do like a body check and was like, okay. And then he's thinking, then he's like, it hit me. Is this thing going to blow up? Like there could be gas leaking somewhere. So then he's like, he's strapped in. He couldn't get like his seatbelt undone. So I think he cut his seatbelt off because he had his knife with him. And then he grabbed his two packs and he's like, I got to get the hell off this plane. And, you know, and then he ran out with all of his stuff and he's like, I'm just waiting for the thing to blow up. Finally, like obviously nothing happened, but he's like, it's just one of those things that you got to know or think about. Like this thing could take fire right now, you know? So he's like, it was just it was, a whirlwind, man. That'll put a new perspective on you right there. Yeah. So that was a big reason why we're not in Alaska right now. So, well, that sounds like a good reason. <laughs> That's why we didn't do any early hunts. Here, I thought it was going to be you building the house. <laughs> well, you know that that's <laughs> it is priority for me, but my job does take precedent over that that's, too. That's so. a little more extreme. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that was that's basically that's her. That's the story. <laughs> wow. Oh, it's good to hear firsthand. I uh, damn, that's crazy. Yeah. Yep. So. I mean, yeah, there more than likely will be drops in the future. We were going to try to do like an elk hunt, like an over-counter elk hunt, but then it was like, it's just not dropped, you know? We're going to, if we could put a little twist on it and everything, but um, everything would just well, happen many, so fast. How many states do you got this year then? I've got Illinois for sure. Um, like you personally have a tag? Yep. yep. Are you filming? I'm, I'm filming and hunting Illinois. Okay, and yep. then you'll obviously hunt Michigan. Yep, hunt Michigan a little bit, and, and then, then Kansas. Nope, we're not. None of us drew Kansas this year. Oh no, kid. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's right. They're kind of they're doing like a draw thing now. Yeah, dude, it's it's gonna be like Iowa two point Pretty pretty much, it was like a guaranteed draw for a while. Yep, it really was. And then I think with what I think happened with COVID and everything happening last year, I think. A lot of those Back guys that, up. well, yeah, I think a lot of those guys and girls that that applied, they because you get a point, you know what I mean. Yep. So like, I think all those people with a point got moved ahead, and the people that didn't have points, i.e., us, like just didn't draw. I think that was kind of what happened. Isn't that what they kind of call um, point creep when people start, you know, like COVID happened and then. I think so. So the, the people that would normally draw don't because they hold on to that point and it yes. backs everyone up. Pretty sure there's, and there's got to be a break in the system or in my opinion, it's going to become Iowa again, you know, or Iowa. Yeah, that's, you know. Well, look at that. I mean, Iowa used to be two years, three years. Now, now I'm hearing guys are waiting between four and five years. Yeah. Casey should have drew Iowa this year and he didn't draw Iowa either. How many did he have? Four? He had three going to four. I drew a three going to four, which... In our group, you know, the 10 of us or how many of there is, including Casey's dad and everything that applies every year, we usually draw with three going to four. 
just about every time. But now Casey had three going to four, mm-hmm. and Lee, my buddy Lee, had three going to four, and he didn't draw either. See, there you go. That's what they're saying. That's that. That's that point creep happening. Yep. So it's just getting brutal, man. I yep. know. I know. I just heard. Can't remember who was just talking about it, but they were talking about like Idaho. You know, Idaho is real popular for the OTC elk tags, and I just looked, and they were sold out. Really. So like the, last year they had sell, sold out at certain times when, you know, a lot of people can wait and buy tags. Well, now you're not, you know, cause normally people wait to see what they draw and then they'll go and start buying tags mm-hmm. for these OTC units. And yep. it's, it's getting to now you got to even plan for those, right? You yep. can't, you can't wait till last minute to buy those anymore. I know. And it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm wondering if like an Illinois, like a state like Illinois or something, will get like a a draw system eventually. Um, I don't know, maybe not. But I I got a feeling there's going to be like a huge influx of guys. Like, I got ten buddies. My ten closest friends have been going to Kansas for two years, and this will be the third year doing public land. And all of them have dr- drawn for two years. This year, five of them drew, five of them didn't, and. Wow. Yeah, so like now the other five were like, we're scrambling. So they're going to go do Oklahoma. I think you might start seeing guys like that, like uh, we're close to home with big deer or good opportunity, Illinois. I mean, Illinois is. Now, Illinois, though, the one thing I'll say about that is, I mean, Illinois is a big buck mecca too, um, but it is there is not shit for public land there. Right. So if you're going to Illinois, you almost you almost have to go through Outfitters, mm-hmm. which, or have a which lease is where, or private, yeah, yeah. Which good luck even getting that. Good luck getting a lease in Illinois. Yeah, I mean, I feel like people are on waiting lists just for people to die off, or you know what I'm saying, or yep. people are getting leases bought out underneath them. You know, if one guy's paying thirty five bucks an acre, someone with some money goes and drops forty five bucks an acre. It's like right. I mean, they're just paying stupid money down there for leases, and it's it's fucking. I've told Kurt this before. It's it's like ruthless down there because it's just so much private land, so many outfitters, and you know. And another thing too is the residents with uh, two buck two buck tags. It's well, you know, it's, non-residents uh, get that too. So, like, oh, I did not know that. Yeah, A non-resident so, gets two. Yes. Yeah, so, unless they've changed it in the last year or two, which I don't think they have. But well, like, you could be right. I, I assumed it was one. So non-residents, you get, now <clears throat> people might send me something, but the last time I knew, you can kill a buck with your bow and you can kill one with a gun with in, in Illinois as a non-resident. So me being a non-resident, I'm like, shit, that's really appealing. If like, But like you said, if you have a place to go and hunt, which I am very fortunate, I do have a place where I can go hunt. Um, So... Yes, that is like two bucks for, I think a non-resident firearm. Um, either sex is three hundred bucks. I think for Illinois, somewhere in around three hundred, and then, um, Isn't the, the permits like a hundred bucks. I, I think so, somewhere in there. I haven't bought mine I yet, so like that's four, why I don't know. I think I looked before. I want to say it was like four hundred seventy bucks, which that's that's a steep tag. You know, I mean, it is, but you're looking at two like. You're looking at Iowa when Iowa is not much more than that. 
where you have to buy preference points every year and you can only yeah, go every have, four years. Yeah, you'll have uh shit, eight hundred and fifty bucks into a Iowa tag by the time you add your preference points. Yeah, because I think when I was buying my preference points, I think they were like fifty two bucks. I think they've might have yep. went up since then. So I did three years of preference points. So you know there's you know hundred plus the six hundred dollar tag. Yep. Before you even go, you're seven hundred bucks into it. Oh yeah, easily. You know, so it's like you look at it that, or you look at like in Illinois where I can get to where I'm going in seven hours, which is nothing, and for a little bit less than that tag, I can kill two bucks every year if I want. Yeah, most most people I know that go to Illinois, they don't do it public though, and they go drop another couple of grand. Yeah, a couple grand on an outfitter, or you know, one thing I'm not. I'm not huge on the outfitter thing. One thing I really like out west is uh, um, I like the trespass fees. Yep. You ever like looked into those? I have not. No, I've never been God, in, a, like, in uh, a scenario where I've had to do that. No. Yeah, I like I like that because it's literally just some rancher that's like, "Hey, you want you want to hunt my land? Give me fifteen hundred bucks, and and that's it." You know, and then you're still on your own doing all your own thing, but you get on these like primo properties with the trespass fee. Yep. No, no guide, no outfitter, no, no little drop camp like that to me sounds pretty appealing. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I just read something. I'm on the internet right now about Illinois in the non-resident two bucks. So a non-resident deer hunter may take two bucks and unlimited does. One buck Jesus. must, yeah. One buck must be taken with a bow, and one with a gun, or one buck with a bow prior to gun season, and one after by any means. So if you don't, the way I take that is, if you don't fill your gun tag with a buck, if you kill one before rifle season with a bow, and let's say you yeah. don't kill one with a gun after gun season, you can kill another one with your bow. Oh my gosh! That'd and that's be sweet. I'm almost positive that's how Missouri is as well. Missouri, that's on my to do list sometime. You need to. I've had some good hunts in Missouri. I've killed some good bucks over there. Dude, I got a buddy. Quick, quick story. He uh, he's doing like you know everyone when you ask someone like what's their dream hunt, you always hear like oh Yukon moose or you know you know what I'm saying just yep or caribou like my buddy. He leaves Thursday for what I consider would be like my dream hunt and, and teach his own. Everyone's got their own thing, but this would be mine. He is, uh, going to Montana. It took, um, five years of preference points, but it's, it's landlocked public land. So the only way into it is helicopter. <laughs> it's all, it's all surrounded by, by one of the dudes um, started frac sand mining. So he's like, you know, one of the wealthiest guys in the country and he owns this just gob of land and, and he, you can cross, you can cross their property, but you're paying like scary amount of money. My buddy said it was cheaper to pay a helicopter pilot to drop them in. Wow. So my buddies, he got a mule deer and the elk combo and he, they called up, they got a, a helicopter pilot that's going to drop them in 
And I want to say all said and done tags and this helicopter guy. I think he said they had like 3,500 bucks into this thing. That is cheap. And it's all DIY, no guides, no nothing. They're on their own. And I think they're in there for nine days. Wow. Yep. So they're getting dropped like that to me. That's like, and, and the one, one guy that he's going with the, the only guy he's going with has been there seven years ago. He, he did the same thing. Holy cow. <clears throat> That's sweet. That's yeah. a cool hunt. That to me is like my dream hunt. Yeah. That's a sweet hunt. I don't know. You know, everyone's got their own thing and you know, I'm not bashing, uh, doing the outfitter or doing anything like that. You know, everyone's got to do their own thing. That would just be, that would be something I would love to do. That is a sweet hunt. Yeah. I don't, I don't, the outfitter thing I've been, you know, filming at a lot of outfitters and I've got the opportunity yeah, to hunt. I get, both, I get both of it. Yeah. I, you know I, what I, mean? I don't, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't disown it or nothing. You know, if that's what you want to do and you, I'm not against it. I might do it this year to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, and I totally understand. I mean, a lot of people don't have the time and I mean, it's no different than me when I say, I don't want to leave a state without filling a tag. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. some people would look down on that and that's just, you know, everyone's got their own prerogative with what they want to do. And Hey, if you buy the tag and you know, you spend the money, you do what you want. Yep. I definitely agree. Well, man, I'm going to cut this loose here because we're getting up on time with my card. It is be- uh, beeping at me that uh, low space. So, <laughs> Well, that means I got to go mow my lawn anyways. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on and doing this. Thank you very much, buddy. And uh, you're, I mean, in two weeks, you'll have another deer down, so we'll talk again. <laughs> oh, gosh, I hope so, man. Well, I'll keep you in the loop. It was fun sending all the Snapchats out and stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good, but we'll talk to you later. All right, there you have it. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for coming on and talking, man. I greatly appreciated. Thank you. It's always good catching up with him, and we might hear from him this fall as well because he is hard-nosed, he gets after it, and he kills deer. So we'll probably get back on with him at some point here in the coming weeks, but you guys are ramping up for the fall. I know it is getting colder here in Michigan. I mean, it's only getting up to like 70 during the day, so it's awesome. The fall is upon us. And I cannot wait. So thank you guys very much for all the support and all the downloads. Don't forget, we'll be right here next week on the Fall Podcast. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment.